Well, good morning and welcome to Open Door Bible Church. And whether you are with us online uh, again for uh, this week or whether you are here in the room, you are part of the church and this church. And if you are online with us again today, um, we are going to be delighted whenever you can join us in person. From my perspective here, this sure looks different. The difference is that there are people in the room. Uh, and the exciting thing was for me last night, starting with our service last night, to hear the voices of people singing. And uh, so it's exciting to, to see, you know, real people uh, besides the worship and tech teams. And by the way, haven't our worship and tech teams done an amazing job these last 10 weeks? We have been, been gifted with people who knew how to do the right things and do them well. And we are just so grateful to everybody who has kind of served over time during this season. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians. We return to our study of this important New Testament book. Colossians 4, verse 2. This is, uh, I think, the second time in this study of Colossians that we've limited ourselves to a single verse. Um, Colossians 4, 2. In fact, I'd like you to memorize the passage we study today. Think you can do that? I'm going to read it once, and then you should be close to having it, so I'm going to ask you to read it uh, and say it twice. I'll use my translation in this case. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's it. Do that. You're dismissed. <laughs> Do you sometimes groan or squirm a little bit when you know the message is going to be on prayer? A little bit of, little bit of guilt. Um, imagine yourself, don't do this, but imagine yourself uh, turning to the person next to you if you're, you're at home or, or turning to the person a few seats away from you and asking them, how's your prayer life going? I think you'd get a look a lot like if you turned to them and asked, how's your diet going? <laughs> because we, nobody really feels like they're doing that well. Relax. Relax not because it's okay to have a D grade in prayer, but rather because you are simply one of the many in the 2,000 years since this was written who struggles with prayer. We are, we are talking to God, but he is invisible to us. The skeptics, the atheists will say, you know, prayer is Christians talking to their imaginary friend. No, he is our friend. He is invisible to us, but he is not imaginary at all. And we know and worship him as the most real part of our lives and the most uh, powerful God of the universe, the one who created all things, and so we, we understand the reality of prayer, and it's still hard. It's still hard. So since we are uh, reopening uh, in this first phase our public worship, uh, it's fitting we would think about reopening or restarting our prayer life as well. 
So be devoted to prayer is the main statement or command of the passage. And then there are two attitudes. Be watchful in prayer and be thankful in prayer. So that's our our very brief and simple outline. To be devoted, this command is keep at it. Persevere. You're going to feel like quitting. Don't quit. Don't stop. It's hard. You struggle. You feel like you failed. That's okay. But keep at it. Give yourself is another way to say this. Give yourself constantly to prayer. This term devoted is used some eight times in the New Testament, and five of them refer to prayer. It is one of the hardest things I take that to mean to be committed to in the Christian life. It is difficult to stay on task. Everybody prays in a crisis. I mean, it's, you know, atheists cry out to God, it seems, in the foxhole kind of a thing. But this is talking about persistence and developing a lifestyle of prayer. And that, that's, our, that's God's word to us today. And if it comes to you as a rebuke from the Holy Spirit, then take it that way, but realize it comes from a God who has created all things and wants to listen to you. Isn't that amazing? That's the thing that keeps striking me as I think about prayer. Why is it so hard for me to pray when the privilege of prayer is so incredibly vast that the God who made all things wants to listen to me. You know how hard it is to find someone who really listens to you? I mean, right? How many times are your conversations, they're like, I don't know if they're really listening or not. Because they're just waiting to what they're going to say next. But we have a God who is literally hanging on every word, hearing every word, looking at the thoughts behind our words. It doesn't get any better than that. Someone supposedly once asked the great preacher of several generations ago, Charles Spurgeon, which is more important, Bible reading or prayer? And he answered with another question, which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? They're inseparable because God is desiring a relationship with us, and relationships are two-way or they are not a relationship at all. And relationships require some kind of communication. And God's word that we're gathered around now is how he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us, but prayer is how we now communicate with him. Be devoted to that relationship. Think of some other area of your life where you don't need to be reminded to put it in your schedule. Your job, right? Does your boss call you every day and say, are you going to be here today? You know, are you going to be here on time? It's time now. Unless your dad's your boss or something. Probably not. You have, you have prioritized providing for your needs, your family needs, to such a degree that that alarm is set, and you know where you are in the morning plan so that you are backing out of the driveway at the right time so that you can be at work. You plan it. You also plan when you're going to eat and what you're going to eat. About 10 o'clock, you're thinking, what am I going to eat? (laughs) Maybe the night before, you're bringing something out of the freezer. You plan what you're going to eat. If we plan what we work, we plan what we eat, how much more important is it that we who are believers and know and worship the Lord Jesus Christ would plan to have a conversation, a relationship with him? Daniel 
the Old Testament prophet, unique. It wasn't, re- it wasn't required by the law, but it says he prayed three times a day. He, he had a schedule. He knew that three times a day he would be praying, Daniel 6, 10. What is your current prayer plan? If you were to write down, this is when I'm going to make sure that I pray. What would it look like? Every eight to ten days, <laughs> I'm going to feel guilty enough about prayer that I'm going to sit down and try to pray. If that's your plan, then maybe turn the paper over and, and, and try writing a different one of what you believe God would have you to do in terms of scheduled prayer. Luke 18 is a fascinating parable. Jesus told his disciples a parable, it's a pretend story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In other words, be persistent. And the the parable is fascinating because it's about a judge who is not a nice guy. And there's a widow who keeps coming to him, asking the judge to take her case for justice, and he keeps saying no. But she keeps bugging him, and so eventually the, the judge says, even though I don't really care about this person, I'll take her case just to get her off my case. And then the application that Jesus made is actually that God is compared to the judge in the analogy, but the idea is this. If a judge who's a jerk responds to persistence, how much more would a God who loves us and cares for us Respond to persistent prayer. From the very first days of the church, we find in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves, same term as we have in our Colossians passage, they devoted themselves to these four things, the apostles' teaching, what we're doing here, fellowship, relationships before and after here today, to the breaking of bread, perhaps eating together, perhaps referring to taking communion together, and prayers. So four essential functions of the church in these um, past 10 weeks, we've been somewhat limited. I'm so grateful that we could continue the online uh, teaching of the word. Um, fellowship, that, that kind of took a, took a nosedive in terms of our relationships with one another. Eating together uh, wasn't possible so much, except that you probably ate with your family more than normal. And then prayer. But here's, here was the bright spot. If you've been a part of one of the Adult Bible Fellowship online groups during this season, in some ways, at least the group I'm a part of, I felt like our prayer life was even kicked up a notch in terms of more people sharing uh, prayer requests and praying for one another. So it just shows us how important that fellowship and finding relationships in the body of Christ is that we would be praying for one another. Acts tells us that the leaders also realized the importance of prayer. And so Acts 6.4 says, but that's when they chose uh, additional deacons to help lead in the church and do a, a variety of things. We, they said, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I always cringe a little bit as a, as a shepherd and leader because I know I'm not really balanced on that because I, I, I know I spend more time in the ministry of the Word, preparing and that kind of thing, than I do in, in prayer. Um, some of you know that I take a day a month to go to a prayer cottage over in uh, Waukesha County. 
Don't be too impressed. I am not disciplined enough to pray all day, but it is one of the focus that I, focuses that I want to have that day. Afternoons, I usually uh, spend in uh, doing advanced preparation for future advanced preparation for future messages. In the morning, I try to focus on prayer, and I take along a church directory, and I come across your names. And then to the best of my knowledge, whatever I know of you, any personal needs that, that you might have, spiritual needs that I might perceive, I seek to pray for you. Um, I would encourage you to use your directory perhaps that way. Um, people you know, or it, there'll be a lot of people you don't know perhaps. Uh, or maybe if you're in a small group, write those names down that you have a prayer intercession ministry for the people you know the best. In addition to probably the obvious, which would be that you would be praying about your situations and, and your needs, but, but to make sure that you are devoted to prayer. There's some, there's some plan, there's some, some, some direction that you have in your prayer ministry. Romans 12 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. These are just like common things that should be part of our character. Faithful in prayer. Or this one, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Now that's, that's a challenge. What is, is that just an exaggeration or what's going on there? No, it's a second aspect of prayer. So while on the one hand we want to develop a plan of regular prayer, we would need to also practice continual, relational, or spontaneous prayer. So Daniel, did he just pray three times a day? He had a job to do, by the way. He wasn't a prophet or a priest. Daniel was an administrator under two different uh, kingdoms, Babylonian and then uh, the Medes. Uh, He was an administrator, a government official. I got a feeling that as a godly man in those positions, he was praying constantly or intermittently throughout the day as well. Paul says, I always remember you in my prayers, or he tells the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I think it's actually one of the most freeing aspects of prayer. Not bondage of, I should be praying all the time, but rather freeing because it tells us that our omnipresent God is available anytime. Because God is always everywhere you are always in his presence that means you can always be talking to him and so there are times if I, as i'm having a conversation with people i don't have i need god's wisdom right so i don't have time to stop kneel close my eyes just a minute i'm gonna pray <laughs> that'd be a little weird but i can talk to god in my thoughts saying god just give me wisdom you might need the same thing in a conversation you're having in your marriage conversation with your your teenager something is you're contemplating making a purchase click or not to click (laughs) a temptation you're saying god i need you and it's not about waiting till it's my prayer time of course but to know that he is always available a characteristic of a close relationship is when you can be together with a person and either talk or not talk, and you're still comfortable, right? Last Sunday afternoon, Priscilla and I headed down to St. Louis to see our newest granddaughter, and uh, six, seven-hour drive, sometimes we talked, sometimes we didn't, right? Put on music, but I could bring up a car. 
That's a relationship. God wants to have that kind of a relationship with us. So as you think about today, how do I reopen my prayer life to be devoted? Think, a schedule? What, where, what time of the day would be best for me to schedule something with God? And then will I begin a practice of spontaneous or relational prayer? Devote yourselves to prayer. The next two terms are about attitudes, being watchful and thankful. The word watchful you may have is the word uh, alert. <laughs> Think coffee. Uh, think being awake and focused on this conversation. Um, Jesus used this term actually in rebuke of his disciples when he was going to the, uh, the, day, the night before the cross. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he took along Peter, James, and John and says, why don't you wait here while I pray? Watch here, he said, using this word. Be watchful. He went to pray and he came back and what were they doing? Sleeping. And he told them, really, guys, you can't stay awake? And then he went to pray. It happened three times and each time he came back, they were sleeping. And, and here's what he said to them in Mark 14. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray. That's this term watchful from Colossians. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, small s, probably referring to, we have that desire. If you're here, I bet you you desire to pray better, right? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The, 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 the mental, the emotional, the physical, all seems to, to fight that which in our spirit we really want to do. So that's our, that's our struggle. Do you fall asleep sometimes praying? There's actually worse ways to fall asleep than praying. So it's not all bad, but if, if that happens, just think about what it would be a better time to focus on prayer. For me, I know I'm far more awake in the morning than I am in the evening. So for, in terms of taking time alone, I, it, for me, it has to be in the morning. So the issue is deal with the distractions that you would know in your life, be it something physical or there's, there's actually another thing that gets really distracting to prayer. Can you think of anything that's like a big distraction in your life? It's in your pocket right now? <laughs> right. Our phones. Is it a good... If your phones are a distraction to your prayer life, maybe turn them off. Maybe leave them in another room. Because they've become sometimes, I know, distracting... For me, we appreciate that we can have this constant information and connection at our fingertips. You knew a butt was coming, but we know how it interferes with relationships. And so you might have been there with your spouse or your friend, and they're like this, and, and you're thinking, really, we're, I mean, like, I'm right here. I suppose God feels that way too. It, it's a relationship. Be alert, be watchful and thankful in your devotion to prayer. So these are things that are going to keep us, think about the distractions, and then think about the importance of it. Back to Mark 14, what did Jesus say? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What happened to Peter that night? He, he was sleeping all three times. Jesus rebuked him, but but he failed, okay? 
What happened that night? A little later, Judas came to leading the soldiers to arrest Jesus. And how did Peter react to that? Took out his sword, cut off one of the soldiers' ears, which Jesus then healed. But he didn't pray, and he reacted in anger. What happened a little later? They said, oh, you were with Jesus. Three times he didn't pray. Three times he denied that he knew Christ. Is there a connection? Prayer prepares us for temptation. In, in, in the classic great passage about spiritual warfare, very serious passage, Ephesians 6 concludes that section of, of, of spiritual warfare by saying this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. You've got to talk to God about this. With this in mind, here's the word, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So everybody is struggling with temptation. And earlier in this passage in Ephesians 6, it was clear that it is the, the source of much of that temptation is Satan himself. Satan cannot be everywhere. Satan is not infinite. Satan cannot read your mind. He doesn't know what you're thinking, but he does know how you're thinking. Because in his vast experience of over the millennia, he knows by what people do how people think. And so he knows what's temptation, what temptation is. So he and his forces are working somehow in the world with those, I think, most directly connected to him to enable us to, 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 to prompt us to conflict, to prompt us to greed, to prompt us to lust, to prompt us to arrogance. And so as you think about what is it that causes you to be angry, greedy, lustful, arrogant, realize, you know, this is a, I'm in a spiritual war zone, and I think most of the time as Christians, we are oblivious to the fact that everywhere we are is a spiritual battle around us. How can we be prepared? Pray. Be alert and pray. Ephesians 6, 18. If you think back to your most recent spiritual failure, did it happen while you were praying? Probably not. Did it happen right after a season of prayer? Probably not. Did it happen in the absence of prayer? Probably so. Do you have a, have a spiritual self-awareness that you know when you're most vulnerable to your greatest spiritual weaknesses? Do you know the triggers for your spiritual weakness. Put that number one or two on your prayer list. That you would be spiritually alert and aware and prepared for temptation. Be watchful. Be devoted to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful. One of my favorite passages of all the scripture is Philippians uh, 4, verses 6 and 7. I sometimes call it the opportunity of anxiety because we all have them. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody struggled with that the last three months? Yeah. Do not be anxious about anything instead, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request. To God. So before things settled out, before you got the answer, before things were solved, thank God. And then what's the promise? Verse 7. 
and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's, it's so supernatural. We don't know how that even happened. God gave us that peace. It'll guard you. It'll guard your heart and mind, your emotions and your mental thinking. The reason it's one of my favorite passages is how many times I've needed it. We are all worriers, by the way. We worry about sometimes totally different things. And there are indeed some that are, you know, they can skate along and things seem to fall off a little bit better for them and others who are, uh, are struggling seriously with, with anxiety. There is help. Uh, I pers- I'd encourage you to pursue help for anxiety from any legitimate human means. In other words, it doesn't involve uh, alcohol. It doesn't involve uh, something else harmful or illegal. But while we pursue human help, which can be legitimate uh, encouragement from God, don't forget God. Don't forget that the, the core reason that we can address our, our uh, anxieties is really all about prayer and reopening that in a personal way. I think in many ways, one of the best ways that God draws us to himself is through the weakness of our worries. That's why I think it's an opportunity. Um, the weakness of our worries causes us to remember our need for God, the angst of our anxieties. See them as a, a welcome invitation by a God who loves us so well and say, okay, Lord, <laughs> your plan is working. I need you again. But do it with thanksgiving. Why is that important? When we intentionally pursue thanksgiving, we are drawn to think about the character of God. And to think about the character of God even in absence of any answer right then. So usually as we think about prayer now, about our needs, we're thinking about what we're going through right now or what the future is going to be. And when you pray with thanksgiving, you, you are forced to look at the character of God and in a sense rewind to the past. <laughs> and there as you are now in the past, you're thinking, oh, but look what God has done for me. He's been faithful in this. He's been faithful in this. He's been faithful in this. And so we begin to develop a sense of, of uh, praise that God deserves credit for all the good things he's done so far. So I'm drawn to the character of God that he is good. And as I trust, as, as I give him credit for the past, I begin to realize he deserves trust for the future as well. Not based on my analysis of the situation, but based on my understanding and analysis with confidence about God himself. So, to give thanks is to relinquish control to a God I trust. To, to give thanks is to realize that he has authority over this situation. I need to submit myself to the situation. It means to point to his character and say, he will do what he deems best about this situation. And that is the reason why then we would 
Go back to the prophets and say, oh, verse 7, that's why the peace of God that goes beyond understanding will guard my hearts and my mind in Christ Jesus. It's because I have been pointed in thanksgiving to the character of God and found him to be faithful. I've relinquished control and I have given him authority in my life. A thankful attitude brings us peace and it brings God praise which is the ultimate purpose of the universe. It really is. Thankful prayer brings God's praise as he then acts on our behalf. The most basic question I think we usually have about prayer is, does it really work? Does God really answer prayer? Does it actually change something? I'm not smart enough to know how this fits together, but I nonetheless believe it all to be true, that God has a sovereign plan which already has determined everything, and that I have the free will to pray which somehow affects that sovereign plan. Now, beyond that, how that fits together, I'm not smart enough to explain, but it is true. He has a sovereign plan. It is true that he answers prayer. And we live in that tension. Guess which part we're supposed to be focused on? Ask, seek, knock, pray. That is our instruction. And so one of the great passages about answered prayer for me is uh, James 3, and I'm just going to show you some excerpts from this uh, important passage. Is anyone among you in trouble? And all God's people said, amen, I got trouble. No, we, we have trouble. So he said, what do you do? Pray. Is anyone happy? Yeah. Then we should praise. Prayer, praise. Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders, describing that uh, process. And the prayer in faith will make the sick person well. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. He goes on to give the example of Elijah from the Old Testament. Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Dun, dun. Cause, effect. So he's making the point that God really does answer prayer. The reason we pray is because we believe God answers prayer. We ask Sometimes the elders have gathered around and and prayed for people, and sometimes they have gotten well, and sometimes they have not. So that asks the question, now what? You've prayed for people who got well, and you've prayed for people who have not. Important uh, qualifiers, the Apostle John said, whatever you ask according to his will, And we begin to realize a very important distinction is that we would begin to pray with a submission to the will of God and know that the purpose of prayer is not to get my will done on earth, but for me to submit to God's will. That's the purpose of of prayer. I begin to adjust my will to his. Or Jesus said, anything you ask in my name, I will do it for you. That's not a blank check that says, I can get what I want. That would be asking in my name. Asking in his name would be to say, as I pray this, Lord, I am submitting it to that which would glorify 
your name, advertise your name the best. So we, we get the qualifier, so we're the ones who change in the process of prayer. And yet so many times we discover that actually God does answer. So sometimes as we, as we pray, someone does not get better. We've gone through the sadness of a funeral in our church family this past week, and we have another one this coming week. So now we know something of God's will for these dear friends. Other times, and, 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 and if, you, if you're on the church prayer chain, email prayer chain, we have seen so many people healed. So many of those are about physical things. It could be about anything, but we have seen God answer prayer. And uh, last November, as I had neurosurgery for pituitary tumor, God has healed me through a surgeon, yes, through your prayers. I see God's hand is always at work. So, are you in trouble or suffering? He says, pray. And if you're happy about something that God's done, praise. Praise. It's, it's interesting. Take, if you look at that first line, he's really talking about two things. Prayer and praise are distinct. If you're in trouble, you pray. If something is good that you see God has done for you, then praise. Um, this past week, as I was coming back from St. Louis, I was listening to a message preached by one of my favorite um, professors at Dallas, uh, Dr. Stanley Toussaint. He's now with the Lord just a few years. But, and this message wasn't too long ago. He spoke at, at the seminary chapel. And he said he's going to talk on prayer. That's why I was listening to the message, actually. He says, uh, I'm going to give you my definition of prayer. He's talking to all these seminarians. He says, my definition of prayer is asking God for things. And I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, my eyes are squinting going, it's more than that, right? And then he says, now you're probably thinking it's more than that. <laughs> you're thinking that, that prayer involves praise and confession. And, and then he goes on to make a biblical case that the six words used in the New Testament for prayer all basically mean ask. There are, other, now, there are other ways that you talk with God, worship, praise, thanksgiving, confession. But technically, praying, the biblical term, is asking. And regardless, this is, if it's a thing of being picky about words, we clearly have permission. In fact, we clearly have exhortation urging us, ask. Seek, knock, bring your requests to God. He already knows, but he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear you asking. Ask and then trust, because his plan might be different. Ask and then wait, because his timing might be different. God does some of his very best work while we're in a waiting room, right? God does some of his very best work. And, I, and I, even thinking about the present situation, I think that, uh, has God done this so that we could experience him in a fresh way in his waiting room? How many times in the last 10 years have you said something like, about, I just wish the world would stop? Aren't you sorry you ever prayed about that? <laughs> Because it seems like it did. And everything is recalculated. And is that perhaps because God is doing something very unique, very special in your life during this season?
The peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will rule your hearts and life. Will you get peace? Will you get peace because you know better? You know that this COVID thing is not really that big a deal like the experts say. Is that going to give you peace? Are you going to get peace because finally things are going to, you know, mostly go away and everything will be back to normal? Is that going to bring you peace? Are you going to get peace by what you read? Are you going to get peace by what you, you, you believe, by what you know? Or are you going to get peace because you pray? What does your pursuit of peace look like? With thanksgiving, I'd like to close by having us look at two psalms. Finishing prayer with thanksgiving. Psalm 66, just want to read this one for you. Come and hear all you who fear God. That's you. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard. Important. But God surely has listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. Isn't that great? And one more. Why don't we read this one together? I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, so deeply need these reminders because we have experienced deep concerns. Maybe we have experienced health concerns. Maybe we have experienced grief. Maybe we have experienced financial fears. Maybe we have found ourselves in, uh, in conflict we found ourselves angry. You said we can ask of you. So we ask you to minister to us in the innermost parts of our, of our life, our heart. We know we cannot find peace by reducing risks because we'll always have risks. There'll always be cars, there'll always be diseases. There'll always be ways in which we could get sick and die. We know that you have our life in your hands. And we ask you to bring a peace that goes beyond our understanding. You have promised that if we cast our anxieties upon you, you care about them. And so we bring you our anxieties, we bring you our joys. We, we pray about the things we do not know and we praise you for the things we do know. And we entrust ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen.